Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Shore Stories podcast. Really excited about our guest today. He's one of the elders at the Shore Church. It's none other than John Lalonde. John, how are you doing today? <laughs> Fine, thanks. Good morning. Good morning. Good to have you here. Let me, let me start by asking you, how would you describe John Lalonde? Who are you? What do you like to do? What do you do for a living? And so on. All right. Um, actually, I have been, li- I listened to the other podcast. Okay, so, so you prepared <laughs> for this. About this. Okay, I got to come up with a new question. <laughs> <I think. laughs> uh, really, um, you know, in listening to a- and thinking about uh, this, um, I would first of all describe myself as uh, someone who is redeemed by God. Mm. Um, so I'm a child of God. I'm the husband of Jeannie Lalonde. I'm a parent to uh, three children, James, Sarah, and uh, Owen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, for a living, I'm a carpenter. I'm a finishing carpenter. And, uh, y- you know, other than that, uh, I would just say I'm, I'm very thankful for uh, how blessed I've been in my life mm-hmm. relative to who I was when I was younger. Uh, it it uh, never ceases to amaze me how good God has been to me and, and my family, quite frankly. Mm. Yeah, well, you made that transition really easy, uh, talking about who you were when you were younger. Where, where, where did you grow up exactly? Uh, I grew up in East Vancouver. Okay. Um, if anybody knows the uh, Wendy's on Grandview Highway, I oh, grew yeah. up right yeah. behind it in a house there. Okay. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> those are my formative years uh, uh, from about age eight or nine till I was uh, 19. Okay. And what was the, what was the best part about <coughs> your childhood that you can remember? Uh, there were tons of kids to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can remember, you know, you'd come home right away after uh, school I- at this time of year mm-hmm. and there would be a street hockey, a ball hockey game on the street Amazing. Uh, with about 10 to 15 kids, you know, so. Mm-hmm. So Canadian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And what about uh, challenges or struggles growing up <coughs> in East Van? Uh, well, really the challenges were more that, that I grew up in a single parent family. Okay. So there was just my mother and myself. And so, uh, like, uh, well, I don't know, like any kid, but, but for myself, I found that the majority of my influences on how I, what I thought was important in life and, and how I would live my life came from outside sources that were not um, in line with w- what God's plan was. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, were, uh, I, looking back on them, quite foolish, uh, mm-hmm. according to say the book of Proverbs or something like that. Mm. And what were you, what were you like as a high school student? And did you have a gigantic beard then also? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, I was, um, um, you would, uh, a- anybody would recognize this kind of kid. I was the kind sure. of kid who, I mean, I would show up, but I would not stand out. I wanted okay. to blend in. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be noticed. And uh, I wasn't a big participant in uh, any sort of school type of activities. Okay. In fact, I didn't even, r- you know, uh, <coughs> uh, I didn't even write anything for the annual in terms mm. of when I was uh, graduating from that school. Um, but uh, I, I quickly in high school I became, uh, you know, sort of a regular in terms of, of party scenes mm. um, and uh, found I could because I was that kind of kid who wanted to just blend in, yeah. I could mix with all sorts of different kinds of crowds. Mm-hmm. You know, I had friends in, in sort of, you know, the people who were into sports, the people that were into, you know, music mm-hmm. and culture, which was really where I felt 
and fit comfortably the most. I really sure. enjoy music, even though I don't play. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> and uh, I could, you know, talk with, uh, as most people who know me, I could chat with people <laughs> who <laughs> were interested in literature and things like that. Right, right. And what high school did you go to? I went to Windermere Secondary. Oh, okay, cool. 27th in Windermere in Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. All right. And as a, as a student, were you attending church as well? Is that something uh, that you did? It, initially, for my early uh, years in high school, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and was that by your own choice, or was that your parents it, dragging you out? It was my mom dragging me out because okay. uh, I had gone. She had, you know, she was a believer, and uh, you know, I again, it's the kind of thing of from a kid. Uh, I always remember going to church, mm. but I always, uh, you know, the older I got, the more I thought, you know what, I'm missing out because, you know, I want to do this with my buddies, but it's mm -hmm. on Sunday and I can't go and blah, 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 blah. So I, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, when I, when it got to the point where I, uh, sort of began making my own decisions in reaction to my mother's mm. choices, then that's when I stopped going. Interesting. And then at what point did uh, <coughs> going to church become something that you wanted to do yourself? Oh, that happened. Uh, I, uh, a while later? No, uh, I can tell you the time and the date. It was early in the morning. It was December 1st of 1973. Whoa, uh, very specific. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, because I had, uh, uh, I had uh, become, uh, I, I wouldn't say I was a, f uh, I was addicted, but but I had that kind of uh, rhythm in life where I was always getting drunk or high. Mm. Uh, and at that point, I, it was I would say it was the early stages of addiction because I was doing it daily. Mm. And uh, so I, uh, my mother woke me up. The day was a Saturday, and she she said to me, "You do remember you have to help me move today." Mm. And I hadn't remembered, but I thought, okay, you know, if I said that, I'll do that. And <coughs> I had to go get gas for my car, which I did, and then I couldn't get it started. So I thought, I'm a short way from my home. I'll walk home. And I was walking home. I'm walking through a park, and I start thinking to myself about what I've been doing for the last five years, which mm. was my high school years. Um, and I thought to myself, well, really, not much. You know, by that time, I mean, I barely got through the courses that I did uh, pass. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know, well, what's going to happen in the next five years? What are you going to do in the next five years? And I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't know, not much. You know, I was really aimless. And, and then just this voice really said to me quite clearly, what about Jesus? And by this time, I hadn't been going to church at all for four years. Mm -hmm. I was living in a way that was directly opposed to the teachings of Scripture mm -hmm. But I, I just had this sense of being confronted with here. You make a choice now. You're either going to live or you're going to die. You're going to follow Jesus. You're going to uh, basically confess that uh, in me directing my own life, I was, I was making a mess of it and I was going in the wrong direction or I would yield to the lordship of Jesus and follow him. Hmm. And uh, so at that point, I just said, yes, Lord, you know, you're you are Lord, I'm not, and I need to follow you. Mm. So from that day on, um, so I went home, got rid of all my contraband, and stopped drinking and uh, started going to church the next day. Wow. 
That's powerful. It's really the mercy of God showing oh. up in your life. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And when you said you heard God's voice <coughs> say, like, what do you think about Jesus? What What is that? Like, because I know when people we hear people say, like, I heard God speak to me. Like, did you? Yeah. There's different variations of that. Like, did you feel like you audibly heard him? Did it, was it through a thought of your own? Was it kind of through your own voice in your head? Specifically, what did that feel like or sound like? You know what? I, I'm, I'm sure that it was not, it would not have been audible to anybody else. Sure. But it, it, um, uh, it was definitely verbal in the sense that of, of uh, formed into sentences. Mm. And it was as clear, like... The funny thing was is that I didn't realize it was happening until it was over. Right. Okay. Um, but it was as clear as a, the conversation we're having now, hmm. uh, except in, in a question and response form where right. God was questioning me and I was responding. Right. And uh, that has happened to me once or twice since then and always in terms of correcting my behavior hmm. uh, um, and, and specifically of uh, responding to who God is and what he has called, I would say, all believers to. Um, yeah, definitely. And and so you said you were previous to that, dealing with borderline like addiction to drinking and, and to drugs, but and you had this moment with God. But I imagine it, it doesn't just, you know, your life doesn't just change on a dime like that right away. You know, is even though you got rid of your contraband, was there, was there still a struggle in trying to move on from that life and turn towards God? Uh, in terms of, of uh, substances, no. Hmm. Uh, <coughs> uh, I think the hardest thing was I tried to maintain contacts with, with friends. Okay. Uh, but what I quickly found uh, is, is that, um, yeah, they were my friends, but they were my friends because of a certain context, because of being in that party scene hmm. and... and uh, sort of the borderline uh, because of, of the, the element of drugs, a borderline criminal element. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the common sort of thought of we're, uh, you know, rebelling against uh, the powers that be mm -hmm. in, in society. Um, so without that, uh, they were very, uh, how, how can I put it? They were very guarded around sure. me from that time on. Mm -hmm. They were very... Um, they made it clear they didn't want to talk about God mm -hmm. or they thought that, uh, you know, I had uh, used LSD once too many times and I'd seen God and now mm -hmm. gone sort of over the edge mentally. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> so all of that kind of stuff. So that quickly wilted and, and dropped away. Mm. So you moved away from like those relationships altogether, would you say? Or uh, yeah, pretty well. Um, subsequently, like in the last... Uh, 10 years or so I've, I've talked to several uh, oh, wow. but, um, but they're there again you know that's still kind of like uh, difficult they they feel comfortable you can see it with them they can feel comfortable talking about certain things you know sure. like oh yeah the good old days and that sort of element mm -hmm. but if you want to talk about the future or what where they are at now then that be they become very um, agitated about that mm -hmm. or uncomfortable let's put right. it right fair enough and so in that moment when you had that kind of revelation with God when you were out walking, did you like did you understand the the full nature of Jesus dying on the cross for you then or did that oh take yeah. some time? Oh yeah. Yeah, that that I understood from being a kid right. growing up, you know, from right. from uh, as early as I can remember till about age 12. Mm. Uh, so 
Um, and th that's it, it's interesting because one of the reasons, one of the things that finally pushed me over the edge of, of saying, no, I'm not going to go to church anymore, was a gentleman, I still remember his name, Norm Scott, and I was in a Sunday school class, mm. and he was teaching through the Book of Romans. Mm. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he was one of those kind of guys where he had had formal training, and but could make the scripture accessible in words that you understood. Mm, that's good. And so I can distinctly remember being in that class and myself being very uncomfortable and saying, "I don't want to hear this," mm. you know. Uh, which comes back to remind me of how good God has been to me yeah. because I, I understood and turned away from the gospel, turned yeah. away from the, the, what God had revealed. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and that was one of the things that made me decide I'm not going to go there anymore. I don't like that kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I very clearly understood what it meant to confess Jesus as Lord and to uh, turn away from unrighteousness and, and uh, that, that he had provided everything I needed to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, that, yeah, that was, um, I guess it was where I struggled the most was then reestablishing disciplines that would maintain and help me mature in that faith. Sure, yeah. Faith. It really sounds like the, the mercy of God was at work in your life, you know, hearing oh, yeah. all this about him and you personally maybe not caring through seasons, but it just shows that God, even though we might not care what he's saying, he's going to continue to, hunt us down because he loves us and yeah. it's so cool to see in your life yeah. looking back and you see a moment or i mean it sounds like that was one right there or maybe a couple where your faith really got you through a difficult season in your life oh yeah yeah several i <laughs> maybe you maybe share one or two like which one <laughs> <clears throat> I, well i think uh um just in seeing the way um uh initially in the way god uh would bring me through like um one that I remember is, is um, so I immediately began um, attending a church, joined that church, became involved with sort of uh, senior high and people who had just uh, gotten out of high school. Okay. And there were two couples, and they, they would encourage various people there to, to participate in helping or, or ministering, being involved in that mm. ministry. So... Uh, they were encouraging me, both of these couples were encouraging me to do this. And then at that same time, I, I um, began a relationship with a young woman. And I, personally, I thought, you know, this would be the woman that I would marry. Mm. Uh, it was that serious. Uh, and that didn't, you know, so she had other ideas, you know. As soon mm. as she sort of figured out, oh, this is where this guy's going. Well, no, that I don't want to go in that direction. You mm. know, That really hit me hard. Um, and so... But what was happening simultaneously with that is that, you know, I was driving to attend that church, I don't know, about 30, 40 minutes. Okay. So <clears throat> I was having this increasing conviction that I should go to a church in my own neighborhood. Sure. So that happened, and I guess sort of the combination of that happening, I decided uh, I would make that break. I would, I would go to a different church, and I did. So... I go to this other church, and all of a sudden, I'm in a, a, a strictly college and career setting uh, outside of Sunday worship, okay. where there are about anywhere from, I would say there was a core of about 12 to 15 people who, uh, you know, coming into it at that point in my Christian faith uh, was just God, uh, you know, building supports around me and showing me exactly how to develop the, the disciplines I needed to be his mm. follower. Um, and then 
not only that, but then in that church and in that denomination, they had a Bible school that was that they that was here in Vancouver, and there were three or four professors from that school in that church. Hmm. And so another element that I was making decisions about my future education, things like that, all of a sudden it was like not just the penny drop, but multiple mm. pennies were dropping in sequence. And, y you know, you, it, it's almost like I try to describe it to people, but it, it's like trying to describe what's happening in your life, but you're not making those decisions. Mm. Well, you, I mean, you are, but God is setting everything up. And so that, uh, that difficulty... Uh, but then further on, I think the other most difficult period of my life, uh, and this is with both Jeannie and myself, we had helped plant a church where then the uh, the equivalent of our, our elders board uh, said they did not want us to be involved in leadership anymore. Mm. So that, I think, was the... Uh, the time where I felt pain the most. Mm. What was your <coughs> position there? Uh, I, w I would have been the pastor of that okay. group, uh, or at least a co-pastor. Okay. Um, so th uh, that uh, took a real time. I think for about a period of at least six months. I don't think Jeannie and I went anywhere after mm. that. Um, but what we would do is we would every night we would walk after dinner and talk with one another and pray and. Uh, so, uh, and we always, both of us, we always felt this call that we had to find a local church and be part of a local mm -hmm. church. Because, uh, you know, it's my conviction that if you read the New Testament, you can't read it and come away without knowing that you have to be part of a local, yeah. visible assembly of Jesus followers. For sure, for sure. Just, just taking it back a little bit to you guys planted a church. Yeah. When, when did that process begin? When did you feel that conviction? What was the passion behind that? And where, where was this? Uh, th this was in Surrey. Okay. <coughs> uh, and it was, uh, I think it was an example of God taking something that wasn't, uh, that wouldn't reflect the model that he wanted. Okay. It was basically just a group of people who wanted to get out of a, of a church situation that was sliding ever uh, toward uh, a disaster. Okay. It wasn't a good situation. Mm -hmm. uh, quite frankly, I've described it to some friends as more like an amputation than a plant. Okay. Sure. Um, <coughs> but it was in Surrey. It was with uh, we were attending a North Surrey or uh, Surrey Vineyard at okay. the time. It was with uh, primarily one other couple who w we would lead together, and about uh, a half a dozen other couples, mm -hmm. and. Um, so at the time, uh, we went through a process of where we uh, uh, talked with the leadership at Surrey Vineyard, and uh, we mapped out sort of a schedule of, of things that we needed to complete and, and be involved in in terms of ministry to get experience. And then uh, we you know, were given the opportunity to talk to people and, excuse me, uh, and eventually a group of about 20, I would say, mm we launched out and uh, we were operating mainly in North Sur area. Mm. And what do you think, and, and you can talk about this as much or as little as you want, led to them wanting to not have you guys in leadership anymore? You know what? I think that's the part that hurts. Mm. Uh, I don't really know. Mm. Um, uh, could be a number of things. Could be um, 
you know, sort of uh, the type of structure, church structure, we had talked a lot. Mm. I, I find it very interesting, um, Francis Chan's move into sort of uh, house churches mm. and that. We had talked a lot about that. Ralph, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, a cell church mm. uh, organization. We had talked a lot about organizing ourselves in that manner. But always it was, we were always trying to find um, two things, a combination of two things. Something that would connect with people beyond Sunday morning, mm -hmm. but also something that was uh, culturally appropriate that would enable us to communicate as clearly as possible mm -hmm. to people. Um, but I don't really, you know, I don't know, and I think that's what hurt the most, yeah. is that I, th we, you know, I, uh, I'd have to ask Jeannie, you know, I never asked her this question. Uh, I know for me, I had assumed that we were on the same page theologically mm -hmm. because we had talked through a lot of these things. But when push came to shove, it was just like, you know, I was told, you know, we've lost confidence in you. Mm. And that, that was the phrase, I think, that really hit me the most. It was like, uh, I felt it physically as well yeah, as intellectually. Did you feel like you, like you also then lost confidence <coughs> in yourself to potentially do that again? I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah for a while. Um, like I say, for six months, we didn't even attend a church. Right. Uh, and then it wasn't until probably another year, maybe, that we settled in at uh, East Vancouver Vineyard okay. in uh, where we remained there until we came to the shore. Mm -hmm. And um, how did you and Jeannie meet each other? Oh, important <laughs> question. I uh, skipped right yeah. over it. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> well, what, uh, like I say, what area, and I got involved in this college and career group. I met Jeannie's brother. Okay. Uh, and so w we got along, and it just happened to coincide with the summer after my first year of Bible school. Okay. And um, they had they had gotten some sort of grant to do. Um, improvements on their property and on their buildings and so Gord her, her brother and I were working together and and through working together and through also working at together with a, a larger group of people at the college and career mm. we became friends and and then also uh, so then the fall comes that summer goes through fall comes again I'm back in Bible school and I noticed this girl because Jeannie's four years younger than okay. me so when I first started going to the church she was still uh, in the high school group, right. kind of idea yeah. so I, I noticed this girl with beautiful long hair these <laughs> eyes that just captured my attention yeah um, working behind uh, they had like a cafeteria for living students but at coffee time they would serve like uh, you know cinnamon buns and cookies and stuff like that sure so I noticed her there, and I didn't know who she was. And then Gord, her brother, invites me over for lunch, and I realize, oh, that's Gord's mm. sister. So then she starts attending the college and career group, and that's how we met. Okay. Uh, and then um, uh, from what I learned through my first experience, I thought to myself, you know what? I want to be able to demonstrate to somebody that I love and care for them without using words mm. and so I just prayed and I asked God you know if if this is the woman I should marry uh, all I ask is that she would verbally express love verbally express it first mm -hmm. uh, and I would take that as a sign and so 
<clears throat> I don't know how long. I can't remember now. It's <laughs> coming <laughs> it's up 40 years, years ago oh, wow. or more. <laughs> um, uh, it, you know, that happened. Mm. And when that happened, it was, uh, it was one of those times where it was as clear as when I got saved. That, mm. yeah, you know, here it is. You asked for this. Like, uh, you know, like Gideon, he asked for the sign, the yeah. sign happened. Right. And you go, oh, okay. Um, mm. So we, uh, I finished up uh, my undergraduate degree. Uh, she also spent a year in Bible school. Mm. Um, and then we got married in January of 1980. Wow, amazing. And so Gord was cool with this the whole time. <coughs> Uh, yeah, well, he did. <laughs> he did joke that uh, yeah. that he was friends with Jeannie's older sister. Okay, uh, her husband, okay. her future husband. So he was friends with with two of the future husbands of oh. his four sisters. Oh wow! <laughs> so he said, "I'm going to stop bringing friends home." <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So coming up on forty years, then, eh? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, this January fifth. Amazing. What kind of? Uh, I know you guys have a lot of. Great marital advice because you did oh. Elisa and I's premarital counseling. <laughs> what uh, do you have any advice for married couples? Quick one-liner. A quick one-liner. Uh, when you're in an argument with somebody, never use superlatives. Mm. You know, uh, you always or yeah. you're the worst or things like that. Never use those things. And also, um, speak of your own. Uh, perceptions and emotional responses to events and and don't impute any sort of um, uh, motives mm. to the other person that's good good advice and where, where did you guys go to Bible college uh, Jeannie went to Prairie Bible College for one year okay uh, and I went to a combination of Vancouver Bible College which was a Baptist General Conference school and then Winnipeg Bible College right. in Manitoba which was an inter inter denominational school. How did you end up out in Winnipeg? Uh, well, um, <laughs> the Baptist General Conference had some internal politics and they closed the school down here. Oh, okay. And That's so the only other choice was Winnipeg? Uh, no, <laughs> it, it was what happened is that in the final semester that they knew that they were operating, they just invited schools to come and recruit. Oh, okay. And so I was looking at Ontario Bible College hmm. and I was looking at Winnipeg Bible College. And uh, there were there were um, there was one professor that I had taken for systematic theology uh, that I knew uh, had taken a position at, Winni at Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know what, I'll go there. Mm -hmm. <coughs> uh, and uh, again, you know, just God really supplied in terms of, of people that I roomed with, mm -hmm. uh, the opportunities they had there, the professors that I had there that I had no idea were there that were, uh, two of them particularly, uh, and I still remember their names, John Bonk and Ralph Eubank. Mm. And uh, they helped, uh, God used them to help shape me mm. in terms of how I study, um, my approach to my faith. Mm. Just, um, yeah, they're, they're very instrumental. Mm. And did you ever consider staying in Winnipeg? No. <laughs> Quick, quickest answer of the day. No. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so you finished up school there. You came back to Vancouver. You, yeah. and, you and Jeannie got married after you were finished school there? Uh, literally, uh, I, I can't remember the time diff, uh, span. It was uh, I would say it was less than three weeks, I know for sure, from my final exam to when we were married. Wow. Yeah. That's great. And then, and then a few years later, you guys started having kids? Uh, yeah. yeah we actually, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. 
We, uh, yeah, uh, James was born, uh, 81. Um, yeah, pretty quickly we had three kids. Mm -hmm. They were quite close together. Mm. Um, yeah. And then uh, I started to attend uh, Regent College. Oh, great. And uh, so then that was, that time period is a blur because it mm. was uh, very intense academically and and I thought I had worked hard in uh, sort of an undergraduate degree. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden that workload increased oh, man. quite a bit. Yeah. I hear yeah. you. And somewhere along the way you learned how to be a carpenter. Uh, yeah, I, I was it, it, there again, you know, the, the, the church that was in my neighborhood, mm -hmm. there were two brothers who were framers. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> being that young, you don't have a whole lot of experience yeah, and especially sure. experience it where it's going to pay well enough to support you going through school. Right. So, uh, I, I began to frame with them. Uh, and then again, another provision of God is, is then, uh, I would say my, second year my second summer um i had to do what they call a uh and basically it was like a christian service okay and so i was teaching uh senior high sunday school class in a different church okay. a church i didn't go to but you know a church that was small and it needed help and <coughs> so i'm teaching sunday school and uh, you know what there's a girl in my class and her dad <coughs> excuse me no is a personnel manager of a steel mill that used okay. to be here in mitchell island and so her dad, uh, she said, oh, yeah, you, you go to Bible school, right? And I go, yeah. She said, well, my dad is a personnel manager, and she gives me this card with his phone number. She says, call him, because if you want a job, a summer job, mm. uh, you know, just phone him, and he'll tell you when and where to show up. So <laughs> I figure, what, what do I have to lose? Yeah, sure. So I do, and then every summer and uh, – up until the first year of our marriage, I worked at that steel mill mm. and made union wages where I yeah, could pay amazing. for my schooling. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. And and then, you know, after that quit, then I, I, I actually I went back to carpentry in terms of, you know, providing a, making a living. Mm -hmm. And did you ever get back into more full-time or part-time, like, pastoral roles? Uh, yeah. Um, boy, in the... I was, it was my last year of full-time studies at Regent. Mm -hmm. I was asked by the denomination, the Baptist General Conference, mm -hmm. to go to a church in Vancouver. It was the corner of the 7th and Collingwood, uh, Baptist, uh, Broadway West Baptist, it was called. And it was a, a sort of a typical trajectory for a church. It had been going about 65 years, and it was mm -hmm. on the long, so slow slide out to, mm -hmm. you know, dissolving. And uh, so I... I thought, yeah, okay. Uh, we got together with some friends. We prayed about that. And we thought, yes, we should go. Mm. And so we went. And again, we, we uh, probably th three years of uh, very intense uh, work and effort. And w we would see small gains. And then they would, uh, people would move on or, mm. or something would happen. And they would, uh, they were just wh what was gained would would be lost, and uh, after um, you know, came to a point where just realized, all right, the direction that we are trying to encourage people to go in, sort of outreach, you know, attempting to uh, uh, impact the community where we were, 
they didn't want to do that. Mm. You know, they just wanted to stay, you know, here we are, we have this history together, we want to maintain that. Mm. And so Jeannie and I talked it over and I decided, we decided together that, you know, I would hand in my resignation and we would move on. Um, now, partly that was because also that uh, sort of the intensity of that period of time, I think both, you know, in terms of starting a family, um, early years of our marriage, I became quite, uh, I, I was, I could, I could sense that in my spirit, I was dry, very, mm -hmm. you know, like almost felt empty. Mm. And so there again, you know, God provided in the sense that uh, I met a gentleman named George Malone um, through mutual friends and started attending um, uh, a small pastor's prayer meeting mm. that happened once a month. And they were, they were charismatic people, uh, but I just found <coughs> both, again, an, an experience of the Lord's presence uh, and strengthening me and also a sense of, of then excitement again about the gospel. Mm. And so as a result of that, you know, when we, when we resigned from there, that's where we uh, uh, found ourselves. We moved um, out to North Delta and we were like two or three blocks away from where a vineyard church was meeting. Mm. And uh, the pastor there, Ken Blue, his name was, um, he also attended this pastor's prayer meeting. Okay. So I had a chance, you know, I had opportunities to talk with him. But I would say that uh, the, the biggest influence in us moving in that direction was this gentleman, George Malone. He was reformed in his, his theology. He had been at Regent uh, prior to uh, me even arriving there. But he just opened himself up, and for six weeks, I would go once a week. I'd sit down with him for an hour, and I would question him about, okay, well, what about all this, Amazing. you yeah. know, miracle stuff? What about all this, you know, signs and wonders? And and how does that fit in with your theology? And how does that fit in with the sovereignty of God? And and just went through all of this stuff with him. And, you know, it, it was... So basically, we would, I would ask him questions, and then he would walk through biblical passages and say, "Well, here, you know, when we read this, and we, and this is what it's, this is what it's talking about, this is what it's saying, you know, this, you have to c at least come to the conclusion that it's, it's uh, possible, mm -hmm. you know, and also then, then, the other side of that coin is true, that it's not, it has not ceased." Uh, so then, then essentially, my quest only became at that point: how do we un how do we discern? Uh, because we, we know there are spiritual forces, both good and evil. Mm -hmm. So how do we discern the difference? And I think that discernment comes a in: is it life giving, life affirming, in the sense of first of all, does it point you to Jesus, and second of all, does it, it increase your uh, your faith and joy and and uh, desire to worship God? Yeah, for sure. And I love how you have that relationship with um, with Malone. You said it was. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's something I, I think I've talked about on this podcast before, and how a lot of our faith is is going to be chalked up to mystery. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be asking questions and looking for more clarification and discernment. And so, for for people out there who are a little bit stuck on certain elements of the faith or theology, don't just accept like that's where it's going to be. Like go and try to find answers. Find someone you can ask questions. You know who would be a great resource? John Lalonde. Go talk to him for an hour. Ask him questions. He'll point you. To him and other guys like him will point you to scripture to help 
uh, get more clarity and answers. And it's something I really always encourage people to do with their faith is just, mm-hmm. yes, there's going to be mystery, but you don't have to just accept that. You can try to learn more. That's great. And so eventually you guys ended up at the Shore Church. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, well, <clears throat> at the time, uh, our sons, Owen and James, uh, they were attending uh, Westside when it met down in the Fifth Avenue Cinema. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, we were going, again, we were going to a small uh, venue church in East Vancouver. And typically, um, depending on the seat, uh, depending on how the calendar fell, they might not have um, like a Monday, Thursday or mm-hmm. a Easter Friday service or a... <coughs> a uh, we preferred uh, um, a Christmas Day service sure. as a family. Mm-hmm. So th- th- we might not have one. So James and Owen in started inviting us to come to uh, services that Westside had. Right. And so when we did that, and then, you know, when we took vacations in the summer, sometimes we'd drop in and see it. And we both, you know, said, you know, I really like that church. Mm-hmm. I, I li- you know, I like the worship because the worship was similar to vineyard worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was... I like the preaching. The preaching is clear. Yeah. It's from Scripture. It's focused in terms of uh, you know proclaiming the salvation of God through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things were adding up. And then <coughs> uh, again, you know, being in small churches, uh, you you realize, and it, it it brings you to points where you realize what is important and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were involved in leadership. At that time, uh, at Eastside, we'd probably been there 10 years. And <coughs> I just really saw, it, it, I remember the, the, the leader of the vineyard in Canada, a guy named Gary Best, was visiting all the churches uh, across Canada because he was retiring. Mm. And I remember we had a chance as a leadership team to sit down with him after he spoke on a Sunday. We had lunch together, and we were able, all of us uh, as a leadership team, were able to ask questions and get his responses. And so <coughs> one of the things he mentioned was that, that churches have to make this decision. Are they uh, service? Uh, that's not the term he used. I can't remember the term he used. But essentially he says, are you going to provide services for people, or are you going to provide a vision of a way to live? Mm. And, you know, it's, it's always grabbed my heart that we need to provide a vision of the way we live. Now, it doesn't mean we won't provide services, mm-hmm. but the, 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 those services have to flow out of what we think is most valuable in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why we need to make Jesus known, because yeah. that's the most valuable. Th- he is life. It's not the most valuable thing in life. He is life. Yeah. And from that, everything else comes out of that. Yeah, definitely. And so because of that, and then, then I began to, you know, just listen and participate. But as I listened in terms of our leadership meetings, we didn't seem to have that focus of the life part. We had the service part. Yeah. But then being small, it's like, well, how are we going to do all this? Uh, mm. So anyway, uh, that coupled with <coughs> uh, then... At the time, uh, both James and Owen were still at home because they weren't married. But we found out about, you know, this new plant mm-hmm. from Westside that was going to be happening right across the bridge from us. Mm-hmm. So we thought, hey, look, you know what? Um, let's let's join this this. Uh, we thought, you know, small group of people. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, we didn't really understand the structure of sure. it, right? You know, you're not that close. So we were very careful. We took about a year and a half to withdraw from East Vancouver because we, we, we did not want to cause any damage. We did not sure. want to cause any confusion that we don't... This wasn't because we think we think you're heretical or you're not teaching. Mm -hmm. it, it was just sort of a, a sense of direction of, yeah. of this is where we feel we should be going. Yeah, I can't argue with that. And so we slowly withdrew from there and then became, you know, joined uh, the west side North Shore yeah. at the time, which became the shore. Right, right. And you've been there, been there ever since and you guys have been a big part of it. Uh, leading community group now. Um, just recently, you became an elder yeah. at the shore. Um, I think this is a unique experience having an elder on, on the podcast. We can get a bit of an insight to like, wh what are your visions as an elder for the shore church? You just talked about how, you know, it's a good idea for the church to have, um, to, to make Jesus known in some ways, not just provide services. So what do you think that looks like for, for us at the shore? Um, well, I, I want to take a step back sure. from that. I would say one of the things that I've appreciated the most, uh, both about uh, the process of becoming an elder, which mm -hmm. which was a year-long process, and, and now for a short period of time being an elder, mm -hmm. um, is the sense that, that uh, we, we come at those questions, first of all, by trying to, to identify and figure out wh what does Scripture teach? Mm -hmm. You know, wh what is it directing us toward or... Or what uh, guidelines is it giving us? Because you know, uh, scripture doesn't directly talk about um, you know kids ministry or or about um, you know men's groups or yeah, women's groups or or the issues that we face in terms of uh, you know same sex uh, dealings, mm -hmm. marriage mm -hmm. between same sex or transgenderism or things like this. It doesn't talk directly, but it does give us. Um, uh, parameters, mm -hmm. you know, we are to respect everybody because they're made in the image of God. We mm -hmm. are to love everybody because Christ died for them. Um, you know, those sorts of things. And I think that's what I appreciate the most is that we always try to keep in view, um, A, what does the scripture teach? And then B, okay, what is that going to look like for our specific context? Mm -hmm. um, with the aim always to be... Um, clarity of expressing or communicating uh, who Jesus is, what he's done, and inviting people to become his followers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge piece, definitely. And how do you think we do that really well right now? Anything, anything stand out? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think it's the kind of thing that uh, um, in some ways... I I ask the question more. I would ask the question more. Where do you think individually? Where do you think the Spirit of God is leading you? You should be asking that question daily. You mm -hmm. know, Lord, like when I get up and I do my Bible reading in the morning, I ask God to tell me what do I need to hear for today. You know? um, and I think also that's what we need to do. I think we are. I think we, if if we look at and examine our lives and say. The Lord has, has sort of is leading me in this direction. Am I moving in that direction? Mm. Am I making choices that will put me in the position where I feel right. God is leading me? Then I think we're doing well. Yeah. Because that's all that we're called to do. We're called to walk in the way He directs us. Yeah. You know. And now He gives general uh, the, the general description of, of how to walk in righteousness for everybody. But I believe that He will specifically direct people 
through a variety of means mm -hmm. and through a variety of people and circumstances. <clears throat> so as long as we're being faithful in that of, of every day, just walking and trying to live the way we should as followers of Jesus, then we're, we're doing great. Yeah. So I, th that's what I would say. I would say overall, I think we are uh, doing that. Mm -hmm. Can we improve? Yes, we always sure. can improve. Yeah. Um, but there again, I think we, we, you know, like, so to come back to the elders board, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's why we are a church that is directed by elders because we read the scripture, we see uh, leadership in the church has always been uh, by a group, uh, a multiplicity of uh, elders, mm. of godly men who are faithful to what scripture teaches, who can defend it, and who can communicate it. Yeah, definitely. And what would, what would you say, how would you <coughs> summarize up like what your specific role is as an elder at the shore? <laughs> <laughs> to the best of your ability. Oh man, you know what? Um, I, I would I would say I uh, where my heart lies, where my passion is, mm -hmm. is in t uh, teaching scripture, mm -hmm. like going through and asking, <coughs> you know, the questions of what is this passage talking about, mm -hmm. and then how do I understand what it is saying about that subject, and what does that mean? How do I apply that right here, right now? Mm -hmm. I think that's my biggest passion. I think the other thing is that I have always had a conviction since I was saved is that, uh, and this might sound a bit extreme for some people, uh, and also I would say I'm, I'm a firm believer in the liberty of a individual's conscience, mm -hmm. but my personal conviction is this, is that there is only one vehicle that God works through, and that's the church. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> and quite frankly, in my own opinion, uh, we have churches that we don't call churches. I think most parachurch groups are churches. Right. That's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's my conviction that people should belong to a specific church uh, and then follow, attempt to, be, uh, uh, to follow Jesus as best they can in that context because it's, it's through that mutual commitment that we come to maturity. I didn't come to maturity because of who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, you mentioned about talking to me. I mean, I, I can name off at least a half a dozen right. names right now of sure. men that impacted my life and that God brought into my life to encourage me to live for him. Mm -hmm. And I think that can only happen within the context of a, a group, a, a faith community, if you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Having, having someone like you and your thought process and all <coughs> that is a huge benefit to the shore. And uh, yeah, something I'm you. looking forward to is, you know, we're going to this new transition into the two gatherings, which is going to include opportunities for adult Sunday classes. And I don't know if there's anything scheduled yet or anything on your heart, but I'm wondering, are there going to be any kind of classes you personally are wanting or feel a vision to want to teach or, or lead on a Sunday morning? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah there, there's stuff coming down mm -hmm. uh, the pike. Quite frankly, I haven't had an opportunity to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to delve into that yet, yeah, no worries. I, in the sense that um, uh, Jesse St. Mars mm -hmm. and myself are going to be teaching uh, the new members right. class, and so really I'm focused on that. I, I'll, I'm going to be very privileged to speak on the 29th of December. Right. So Pre you're uh, preaching, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So uh, those those are what I'm really working on. You know, I'm trying to get everything. Uh, set for the members class yeah. and then uh, focusing on, on the 29th. 
Um, something that has, you know, you ask about things. I think uh, at various times in my life too, certain topics really become important mm -hmm. for me. And I don't know whether it's because of my age, because I'm turning 65 mm. or what, but um, I really have, have wanted to dig in on what is the Christian hope? Mm. Like, what's the substance of that hope? Mm. And so that's uh, what I'm, I'm hoping to communicate a little bit of on the 29th. But yeah. uh, in the little preparation I've been able to do for that, um, uh, I'm, I'm being very encouraged. Mm. And uh, so... Yeah, those are the kinds of things that, that teaching-wise, I um, am looking forward to. Awesome. Well, just a just a couple final questions here, John. Um, obviously, it's important to continue to pursue God in our in our day to day if we want to build our relationship with Him. So, what does it look like for you to experience God day to day? Okay. Uh, um, here, I think it, uh, uh, um, I'll refer back to something that I've talked about before. One of the ways in which I experienced God questioning me mm. was <coughs> I had been through in, in sort of the six month and the probably the year, year and a half after the church plant that didn't that went south happened. I found that I was not reading scripture regularly at mm. all. And so <coughs> one day uh, I can't even remember the circumstances of it, but something where I didn't have I wasn't involved directly in doing anything. Again, this thought process comes into my head, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when was the last time that you fasted? Mm. And I thought to myself, you know what? I can't remember the last time. I'm not a big faster. Mm. Uh, I probably should be, but... Um, <coughs> and so I, I'm thinking to myself, well, I can't remember when. Mm. And then it's like this statement, and this is the first time I've ever had this sort of experience, is, was God saying, or I believe it was His Spirit saying to me, if you fasted from food as much as you have been fasting from my word, you would starve to death. Mm. Yep. So from that point on, <coughs> I uh, uh, began to read scripture. And then uh, again, fortunately, somebody introduced me to uh, a schedule by a gentleman named Robert Murray McShane. Mm. And so I've been following that ever since. And... Um, in that schedule, I will read through the New Testament and Psalms twice and the Old Testament once every calendar year. Mm. Now, and then because it's set out for every day, uh, because, you know, there will be gaps and I try as much as I can not to have gaps. But if there are, if, if they get too big, I just come up to that date and start reading again. Mm. <coughs> because what I found is that uh, scripture is, it's that kind of book where every time you read it, you see something new, yeah. something that is feeding your soul. Yeah, I, and that's the way I look at it, literally, is that if I don't feed my soul, it will become weak. Mm. Uh, and, and then, um, again, uh, the other thing I do is, um, lately for the past couple years, when I see, when in, in, my, in reading other things and in reading scripture, when I come across prayers in particular mm. that really hit me, then I will write them down. I will review them every once in a while. Like mm. So I always ask God to uh, give me his light so I can walk in his light. Mm. Uh, I, I always ask for, um, like, uh, I've been very encouraged by uh, the book, uh, a book that, that um, James gave me, uh, 
pray big, mm. how to pray like an apostle, Alan Big, uh, Alistair Big, uh, recommend it. it. Best book I've ever read on mm. prayer. Uh, you know, looking at the prayers of Paul in Ephesians, and oh man, um, so stuff like that. That's mm. how uh, I guess just again reading scripture, but listening to people who are recognized as followers of Jesus who are, are able to communicate scripture to us. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. I would say that's of vital importance. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, last question here for you mm. is, um, let's say someone's listening to this who ha has or is currently in similar struggles that or um, situations that you have been. Maybe they are big into drinking or drug scene, or maybe they have a lot of hurt or pain through uh, church ministry. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any, any words that you would want to share with them? Yeah, the first would be this, is that the church and followers of Jesus are flawed. Mm -hmm. um, look at who Jesus is. Yeah. Look at what he has done. The second is take a good hard look and ask yourself, are these people that I associate with really my friends? Mm. Friends are few and far between. Friends are people who will tell you the truth, mm. whether you like it or not, mm. but they will tell it to you in a way that, that they are not going to write you off or disassociate with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, uh, And you want an example of that uh, from Scripture and not take my word. You look at the relationship between David and Jonathan. Mm where Jonathan was willing to say, you know what, David, you are going to be the king, and I'll be your second. Uh, now, it didn't work out that way because that wasn't God's plan, mm -hmm. but <coughs> you know, you look at their relationship, there was a friendship. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at the way David mourned for David, and even Saul, who, yeah. you know, th that's what true friendship is. Mm -hmm. You look at what, uh, and then, you know, the best example, uh, again, I come back to, is Jesus. He does everything for our benefit, and he gains nothing from it. Mm. Well, I wouldn't say he gains nothing, but you know the balance is so tipped in our favor. Yeah. Um, so I would just say that: Are these people who claim to be my friends really friends, mm. uh, or are we just sharing a mutually destructive activity? Yeah, yeah, definitely, that's good wisdom. Well, <coughs> let me just thank you so much for coming on here and really laying it all on the line and talking about your past experiences. Um, and as a friend of yours, let me give you a truth that uh, I hope that you can continue to grow that beard for at least <laughs> another couple more years without <laughs> touching it. I think I speak on behalf of the entire congregation. So just let uh, it go for as long as possible. I don't know what, what Jeannie thinks about that, but that's what me as your friend says. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll, you, know, you should talk to Jeannie. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, John, thanks so much again for coming on. Um, if you are listening to this and anything that John said struck you or um, maybe you're going through similar experiences or just want someone to ask really hard questions to. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <Thanks>. John. <laughs> I personally have had a great experience with John and talking about all, all things theology and God and life. So I know he'd be more than happy to, to chat with you, sit down for coffee or, or grab him before or after a church service. So yeah, I definitely suggest you, you go chat with him. Thank you for coming on here today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank yeah. you for the opportunity. Of course. All right. Well, that's going to do it, everyone, for another episode of the Shore Stories podcast. We'll see you again next week for another episode. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Mm -hmm.